What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Starting 502 Podcast. Presley Meyer, Jay Cook here with you guys. Brought to you by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. We're coming to you after a long break. And it's partially due to football being so good, vacations, schedules not syncing up, whatever it might be. But uh, we actually have a lot to talk about. A lot of actually perhaps maybe positive things to talk about. Jay Cook, how are we, man? I mean, this is the best I've felt talking about Louisville basketball in two-plus years, I'd say. So I was going to say, have, have you felt this good since – yeah, have you felt this good since like Kenny Payne or since Kenny Payne took over? Probably not, right? Preseason, Kenny Payne got there, super excited, dreamt of all the five-star McDonald's All-Americans we'd have on this team. Uh, and the season happened, and then uh, didn't what wasn't so positive. But now, yeah, feeling. I mean, not not fully back on board with uh, KP long term, but he's he's taken some steps that uh, have me maybe a little bit hopeful for a future. A confusing six or seven days. For Louisville basketball, right? So you play Coppin State, who's one of the worst teams in the country. And really, Louisville didn't look anything. They didn't look special by any means in a home game against Coppin State. And that was November 15th. Quickly head up to New York City, play on November 19th and 20th uh, against Texas and Indiana. I got to say, man, it was just a weird, like just a 180 in so many different areas and completely out of left field. If you could pinpoint it, maybe one or two areas, what would you think stands out the most about what changed for Louisville between Coppin State and a heartbreaking loss to number 19, Texas? I mean, I think it's got to be effort. I mean, just so abundantly clear that the effort for some reason was just 10 x when it came to New York. I don't know if it's just excited to play in front of a big crowd, Madison Square Garden on ESPN, what it is, but I mean, the effort was just insanely high from the jump. I mean, I went into the game, we were playing Texas, we had to go down to Nashville after the game or whatever, and I was like, hey, babe, sorry, we got to turn the Louisville game on, and I was, I was like, oh, whatever, just beat a really bad Coppin State team by 20 after Virginia Tech beat them by like 50, so had really no confidence whatsoever, and then just came out and looked competitive, and we've done that a little bit last year where we'd start a game playing against, I don't know, we'll say Virginia Tech or Virginia, and we look competitive for the first 10 minutes. Then we slowly trickle down, down by 10, down by 15, and then lose by 25. But, I mean, geez, we didn't. Effort was there fully and actually started to look like a cohesive unit. 
it's kind of random. You know, I was taking a look at the AP top 25 uh, that came out Monday before uh, Texas lost to UConn. And I don't know if it's because it was a national TV game and kind of a quasi championship game in that tournament, uh, but Texas moved up four spots after beating Louisville. So I don't know if, if Louisville's name um, still holds that much weight. If I were a, a voter and I saw that Texas had to win on a buzzer beater against Louisville, I'm not sure that I would have moved them up four spots uh, in, in, in the yeah, no, that should have been down four. But Texas did, and all this is to say, Texas went on to play pretty well against UConn. I mean, UConn's, you know, obviously defending national champions, still hasn't lost this year, probably the prohibitive favorite favorite to go on to win the national title uh, this season. Uh, and, and Texas was down by 13 at the half, but went on to make it a more than respectable game, uh, winning 38-35 in the second half. Pretty close competitive game there in Madison Square Garden. So uh, this is a Texas team that has a lot of really solid pieces. Uh, when you look at the talent across the board, uh, Texas's talent, I would talent level, I would say, is much higher uh, than than that of like a Louisville or Indiana. So, getting into what the major differences were uh, against Indiana and in Texas, uh, I, I think it was just an attention to detail. It felt like even after going four and twenty eight, and even after all the things that we witnessed in the off season, it felt like there was much more of a respect for the opponent against Texas and Indiana. Uh, that that simply wasn't there for the two exhibition games or the first three regular season games. And that's hard to wrap, wrap your head around. But again, a lot of this goes back to the coaching staff. Like a lot of this goes back to, I, I know that that a lot of people will push back and say, okay, well, it's, you know, the, the, the coaches don't play the game, but it's the coach's responsibility. You could say that about any coach for any team in the country. It's their responsibility. It's their job to motivate this team to have them ready to have them ready from, from the get-go and to play with consistent attitude and effort the entire game. That is their sole job, is to put a team on the floor that's going to do just that. And you didn't see that in the first three games. All of a sudden against Texas, if you're not watching the game and you just see the score flash across on ESPN, I mean, there was never a point where Texas was running running away with that thing by any means. And frankly, I don't know about you, Jake, but I, I thought that Louisville should have won that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had the constant negativity in the back of my head after last year losing a lot of games and especially losing a lot of games close to start the year last year. So we were watching it and I just kept telling my girlfriend, we're going to figure out a way to lose this game. They're going to make this three. We're going to turn the ball over. We're going to lose it. I just just had that back of my head hate that it happened, but it was very negative about it. And I mean, really, I mean, we had the game and if it wasn't for a missed call saying that the shot clock had expired, when Tyler got fouled with seven seconds left, which you go back and look and it hadn't expired. And I don't understand why the referees don't look at that. Cause I believe that's something that's reviewable. You can review the shot clock and you could see that the foul occurred with like over a second left on the shot clock. So I don't really understand why that call gets missed. And then we actually play really, really well on defense. Sky Clark does a great job of defending Max. Obsmus. I don't know. They were explaining Amos. how to say his last name. Yeah. I still don't know how to. Ace Ace Miss. A- whatever. I'll let you. I'm gonna call Max. I'm gonna call Max. Uh, he did a great job of defending it. And I mean, that's just that's just a tough bucket. And God, it, it felt so reminiscent of last year. Whenever we had, I can't remember who Jacksonville State A and M hit a buzzer beater on us, and then the next game, L Ellis makes the layup to win the game, and it, the ball is still in his hand. Just so so unfortunate for this team. 
Yeah, it's it's like it's just that energy around the program, right? Where even when you are playing a game, you know, you are playing really well, the bounces just don't go your way. But I mean, you have to give Texas credit in the sense that they have a bunch of guys that, that had been there before. Uh, their center was a problem for Louisville uh, and was a problem in, in general at, at Virginia. And Max Aismas, uh, he's the leading s- scorer in college basketball. Max Aismas is is a real deal bucket getter. He has legitimate NCAA tournament experience. He's a guy that when I saw he at the transfer portal, uh, that was probably one of the top three guys that I wanted Louisville to go after uh, in, in the offseason. So he's the type of guy that you want to get. And the him hitting that shot, uh, a, a contestant shot when Louisville gave Texas nothing. Uh, him hitting that shot is, is exactly why Texas brought him in. You you know, you can't fault Louisville in 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 that capacity. I mean, really, Louisville did pretty much everything that they could to win that game. And that's the first time in the Kenny Payne era you could really say that, right? Where it seemed like they, they weren't shooting themselves in the foot. They weren't doing the, the silly little dumb things like stepping out of bounds. Uh, turning the ball over a, a crazy amount. Uh, it just got to the point where uh, there were some pretty questionable calls on a couple of Louisville's big men uh, down down the stretch of the game. Uh, they had to go without a big, and, and Texas kept missing free throws or missing shots, getting their own offensive rebound. And ultimately, that was really the difference in the game. Louisville went to the line quite a bit, uh, made free throws at a, at a high clip. Uh, it, it just – the the ball ultimately did not bounce their way on the last two or three plays, even though it seemed like the execution was there. And to to go from that team that played probably the sloppiest, most just gross, ugly game you've ever seen against probably the worst team in the country in Coppin State to a team that's taking a top 15, 20 team in the country to the wire and probably should have won. For all the bad things that we've said about Kenny Payne, about the coaching staff, about the state of the program, absolutely give Kenny his flowers there. I mean, they had the team ready that frankly, they, they, they should have won. And, and then you get into the IU game. Did you feel kind of the same level of intensity and the same level of focus as you saw against Texas? Or did you think there was a bit of a drop off? You know, did, did, did they do a good job, I guess, of, of getting things turned around uh, going into the second day? Um, yeah, I think I think the effort was there. Again, the execution was certainly not, uh, especially early on in that game. And that game was a clunker. It was ugly early on. We were lucky to be down by five at halftime. I mean, IU could not buy a bucket. And honestly, our offense looked really bad. It kind of looked like what we saw in those first few games where it's ball screen, doesn't work. Handoff, doesn't work. Shit, there's six seconds left in the shot clock. Throw it to a guard that's posting up, fade away. Bad shot. And I mean, it, it up until like, what, 14, 12 minutes left in the second half. I mean, the effort was there, so that's why we were in that game. But the execution looked like what we had seen the last year and a half now. Um, but then, shit, all of a sudden, we decided to go three freshmen, Tyler, Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, I think it was Sky Clark and Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and they just go on a run out of nowhere, 21-3 run. I think the biggest difference there was just ball movement. IU could not guard a ball screen, especially when Tyler Johnson was on the ball and he was distributing to open shooters, cutters, everything. And that's the best our offense has looked in two years. Let's talk a little bit about Tyler Johnson. I mean, this is a guy, in my opinion, he should be a starter for Louisville. Like if there's negatives to Tyler's game, I think that you have to play through those. Even if it costs you a little bit on the front end, I mean, for God's sake, you're two and three on the season. 
and have a loss to a D2 team in, in a in an exhibition game. I mean, now's not the time to start going conservative and not playing Tyler because he brings a couple of negative aspects to the game. You know, you're playing Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a guy who rarely gets the ball, gets the ball in his hands and doesn't look like, you know, super polished on offense, but you got to play a guy like that because, you know, he's snagging every board that comes his direction. Uh, and I think it's the same way with Tyler Johnson. You know, you take the bad with, with the good that he brings. Uh, I, I think that, Ty Lar is the only legitimate true point guard on, on this team. You know, I know last year uh, everybody said, okay, well, L Ellis is a true point guard. He's going to prove it. He came in. I mean, the the fact of the matter was L was not a true point guard. He's not a fat, a pass first guy in any way, shape or form. Uh, and I think it's the same way this year with Sky Clark, uh, minus the attitude and the, the taking the shots of fans on social media all the time and the insistence that he, that he's a point guard. Uh, Sky Clark is as much the same as Al Ellis. Uh, he's a score first type of guy. I'm not sure that that's who you want with the ball in his hands all the time. You have to, you have other guys on this team that depend on somebody getting in the lane, somebody distributing, somebody shaking things up, getting the defense on their heels. Uh, Sky's not that guy. Sky, as we saw against Texas uh, and, and a little bit against IU, he thrives as a cash and shoot type of guy. He thrives at uh, getting downhill, uh, he's an okay defender, uh, but that's not, you know, ultimately his strong suit. Uh, he, I mean, he is similar, uh, a, a little bit shiftier, but similar in in the purposes for what he brings to this team to to Mike James. Right, he he's a scoring guard. He's a solid shooter, um, you know, who scores the ball well. And in, in, in my opinion, you have to look at this roster and look at what each player can provide you. And I think Tyler Johnson provides you something that nobody else on the roster can, which is a true point guard. Uh, he brings it on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's an excellent, excellent ball handler, excellent distributor, a uh, pass for pass first mindset uh, creates for all the guys around him. Uh, I think that's a guy that if you don't start him, he needs to play starter minutes. That's a guy that needs to play at least, at least 25 minutes a game, if not 30, in my opinion. I think you're right. I think Sky's a little bit more of a point guard than L was last year. I mean, L was truly an, an undersized two, forced to play point guard in a system that had no one else to get to the rim. So that's why he kind of struggled, looked so poor last year, and that's kind of why he looks so much better in Arkansas' system. So I think Sky's a little bit more of a point guard, but you're right. I mean, Ty Lohr is that true facilitator, playmaker that this team needs. And I'm, I think you're going to have to take the good with the bad with them. I looked at it. I was kind of surprised. I want to talk about it later, but Kelly Dickey posted the plus minuses for everybody who's played so far this year. And uh, Tyler was plus one, I think maybe minus one. No, he's plus one, one kind of shocked that it wasn't higher just based on some of the spurts we've seen him play and come out and just dominate the game and do everything for us. Um, I think you do. You're going to have to take the good with the bad. And the more minutes he plays, the more polished he's going to get, the fewer turnovers he's going to make, the better he's going to look on defense. Um, I think the only thing I want to see Sky and Ty Lore on the court at the same time, because that finally gives you two guys that can get to the rim and can create for others, as opposed to when just one of them's on the court. It's really just them. I mean, Trey White tries to get to the rim, but 80% of the time he struggles to get past his man and then doesn't pass the ball and shoots a a poor mid-range jump shot. So, I mean, I I think you're right. I, I would love a starting lineup of Tyler and Sky Clark, both playing 25, 30 minutes a game. 
Yeah, I, I think the problem, obviously, that you run into uh, is is that you don't have anybody to back them up, right? I mean, we can get into the Karan Davis stuff. Karan Davis hasn't even been with the team for the last three games. Presley, he's not in trouble, okay? He's not in trouble. <laughs> he's not in trouble. <laughs> Nothing happened. Uh, he's just, he's just not allowed to be with the team. He's just posting cryptid, cryptic posts about Louisville all the time on Instagram and Twitter, and he's not showing up to games at all. Like, he's not present at games. He's just – he's posting during the games. Uh, so, yeah, n- n- nothing going on there at all. Uh, it's just that, you know, coach's decision. They don't want him to play. They don't even want the, the suit up. <laughs> yeah. So – as nobody predicted, Karan Davis saga is turning out great. Pretty much, you know, when when, when Kenny decided to, t- to keep the commitment of Karan Davis in the offseason, when you had all these other guys like in my Max Asmus, for instance, uh, in, in the transfer portal that you could have gone after, and you hold on to Karan Davis, now in turn, Karan Davis isn't even with the team. I, I think that everybody that kind of had a sense about themselves could have seen something like this coming. He had to go to community college out of high school, um, you know, did his time and, and played well. But, I mean, literally nobody else was in on this guy. Uh, it was pretty much Louisville and a handful of, of small-name teams. Karan says that he held, held offers from other teams, but there's not a whole bunch of uh, merit behind those statements. Uh, and for, from any anything that we've seen from Karan Davis, it doesn't feel like he's a guy, even if he was on this team, that he'd make a huge impact. Uh, just, just my personal opinion. Uh, people that have been in practice have said, you know, uh, it, it, you know, he, he doesn't stand out as a guy that should be warranting a bunch more minutes. Um, so I, I do think that that's probably the coaching staff's concern, right? Is that you have Sky Clark and you have Tyler Johnson, and really after that. Uh, there, there's not really anybody else that that can kind of run that point. I mean, we've basically not seen Hersey Miller. I don't know if Hersey Miller is hurt or, uh, you know, I know we said coming into the season, we want to see much less of Hersey Miller. But when we said much less, you know, if he's a viable option, Zan Payne played against Indiana. I think we would have much rather seen Hersey Miller in an instance like that. So um, a, a bit confused about where Hersey is, but I, I think that when you, look at this roster uh, and, and look at what each player brings to the table. Uh, the re- the only reason I can think of that Tyler wouldn't start going forward is just because you just don't have any depth of that position. So if you get Tyler and sky in foul trouble or one gets injured or something like that, then you're kind of putting, you know, your, your backs more up against the wall than it already is. So I, I think that's kind of where that, that mindset comes from. I mean, I it- guess, I mean, I feel like I, I think Hersey Miller is a good enough player to play five to seven minutes of backup point guard for Louisville. I think he is. I mean, he's not tremendous at anything, but he gives great effort and he can handle the ball, which is not something we can say about everybody. And he's not selfish. I mean, I think that if you go Tyler and Sky Clark for 25, 30 minutes a game, you can have Hersey come in and spell one of the guys for three minutes in the first half and then spell the other for four minutes. Certainly he can do a better job than Zan Payne can. So, and Zan Payne's played more minutes than Hersey has, which is, you know, excellent coaching. You got to question what's going on there, right? No Karan Davis. Hersey Miller's not playing. Some, something's going on around the team. I don't know if it's, you know, a punishment to not play them, but I mean, you got to know Jovanovic playing. You got Zan Payne playing. We got to know what's going on with this guard situation because like you said, 
yeah, if you can get a couple minutes here and there at Percy and Karan, that can make all the difference in the world. But yeah, if, if you're just running Tyler and Sky out there and something happens like, like Tyler Johnson fouling out last game and like Tyler Johnson having uh, cramps or of some sort of issue with his calf or some something of that nature, you're, you're in trouble. And we, we saw that happening against Indiana. Uh, IU finishes the game on a 13 to two run. And ultimately that, that was all she wrote. Uh, and and while, while we're on that subject, let's get into that just a little bit. Folks, as always, I am currently sipping on some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Mr. and Mrs., as you might know, is the official brand of Louisville basketball legend Russ Smith. But what you might not know is that Mr. and Mrs. is becoming a national and global brand, shaking things up in the bourbon industry. Like basketball, bourbon has long been a passion for Russ. Dating back to his college days, he studied and learned under the, the, some of the more renowned distillers in the area. Mr. and Mrs. is more than just a passion project. It's the culmination of a decade of painstaking work. Mr. and Mrs. is for everyone, from a more traditional 90 proof with a little bit of hiddens of candy corn and butterscotch to a cash strength that's somehow smoother than 2013 Russ going to the hole. Mr. and Mrs. covers all tastes and preferences with six different offerings. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs., the official bourbon of the state of Louisville, in from the Starting 502 podcast. On shelves anywhere you find your liquor or online at mrandmrsbourbon.com. So Louisville has the lead. They had, they had the lead for a significant portion of the second half, starting with three minutes and 38 seconds left in the game. IU went to a zone. When they went to zone defense, Louisville could not score on the zone. They not only could they not score against the zone defense, in my opinion, it looks like they didn't really have a plan. Now, if you talk to Kenny Payne or you listen to somebody like Bob Valvano, who is very knowledgeable about, about the situation, they'll say, well, there was a plan. They started running the zone offense. You saw that there was some sort of semblance of knowledge that the other team was running a zone and that, you know, we should run a play to counteract that, if you will. Uh, however, the preparedness and understanding was not there. Kenny Payne had two timeouts in his pocket and chose not to use any timeout. Uh, Tyler Johnson was on the sideline from right at the under four timeout. Kenny went to put him back in. Tyler sat at the scorer's bench for a minute. Kenny still didn't call a timeout to bring Tyler in. When Tyler did come in, he actually got into the lane and created an open shot. So, uh, you know, that's he, he, maybe he's the guy that would be the zone buster, but at some point you have to call into question uh, Kenny's ability to make adjustments in game. Uh, and, and of course there is the comment after the game about him, you know, he basically said that Mike Woodson tricked him and that, you know, he threw in the wrinkle of, of playing the zone defense, but look, other teams are going to do whatever it takes to win. And you have to be willing to do that as well. And it just blows my mind that that's the mindset of this coach. It was, I'm not going to say the coaching staff, but specifically Kenny Payne, that's the mindset. Okay, we are winning this game. Uh, we've been, I wouldn't say dominating, but you've been the better team for a good portion of this game. You're winning at, at the under four timeout, and then you just let the opponent go on a 13-2 run to finish the game. That just screams not being prepared. In, in my opinion, in those last four minutes, it feels like, as a fan, I care more about the result of the game than Kenny Payne. 
Kenny's all about when he talks in his press conferences, when he discusses this team, it's all about a lesson. It's all about y'all got to understand what I'm doing, what I'm working on. There's a plan in place. Like the plan should be to win period. You're, you're coaching for your job at this point. And it blows my mind that you're leaving the Coppin state game, a game where that's, that's a game to learn, right? You're playing according to Ken Palm, the third worst team in the country. You're playing a team that probably won't win five games all season that just does not have the dogs to compete with you. And you leave with every time out in your pocket, like take advantage of the situation that you're given. You're given a game where it's going to be a win. That's going to look good on your part. Let's see what we can do to make things better. Let's see what certain, you know, players in certain rotations look like. Let's see if we run a specific set that maybe we won't be able to run against a Texas or a UConn or an IU. You don't get any of that, right? You get just a very generic cut and dry. If it doesn't, if the game plan that you put in place doesn't work, adjustments are not made, right? And I don't know, I don't know about you, Jake, but I mean, this man makes $10,000 a day. Every day that he wakes up, he just makes $10,000. It, that is simply put as that, right? It's not yeah, I mean, a nine to five, but he makes, well, I can't remember exactly what the stat was, $110,000 per game coach. You're, you're not earning your money. Like you're, you're not, you are not earning your keep. You're not doing uh, the basic bare minimum of what is expected. And at this point, yeah, it's great that Louisville was, Louisville should have beat Texas. They should have beat Texas straight up. And I give them all the props in the world, but they didn't. And they probably should have beat IU, but there were blunders down the stretch. And these types of things that we're talking about, Texas hitting on a last second shot to win. Indiana, a 13-2 run to win the game. These are the types of things that got Chris Mack run out of town. Not losing, not, not, you know, playing a respectable game, not only losing by 10 or only losing by 15 or, you know, we're, we're right there. Not even that discussion because that that's been the discussion up to this point what got Chris Mack run out of run out of town was games like this against teams like an IU against teams like an Indiana against a Virginia Tech or something of that nature that's why he ultimately lost his job and we're talking about you know that we can't change the expectations for this program just because Kenny says that he has some kind of plan in place it's, it reminds me of the episode of The Office um, where the guy comes in, uh, Will Arnett, and he says that he has a four-step plan, and he will tell you the, the first step and the last step, but he won't tell you the middle two. He can't just, he can't just give away his plan. Uh, and step four is organize and staple said documents. The, the, whole, the whole point is he has a plan, but no, nobody knows his plan. So then when we at, so he said, well, nobody's ever asked me what my plan is. And so somebody immediately goes, well, what's your plan? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Ha ha. Good one. Like it's like, everything's a big joke, right? Like it's like, he's not taking it. It's not, it feels like it's not taken seriously enough. It feels like the, the weight of this job, the weight of, of what it takes to, to coach a top five, top 10 program is not understood. And it feels like a guy who doesn't feel like he has any pressure. It feels like he just feels like he's got all the time in the world and then eventually, you know, give him six or seven years and eventually maybe they'll make an NCAA tournament. Maybe they'll find some semblance of success. 
And I think that's the part that's that's frustrating to me is while in, in, in one sense, yes, it's great to see them competing at, at this level. And in the other sense, it's like, okay, they've had this in them the whole time, yet you lose by 10 points to Chattanooga. You lose to Kentucky Wesleyan. You lose to, you know, a whole laundry list, 28 teams last season. Uh, that That's kind of what's getting to me now, Jake, is like we all knew that these teams have been talented. We've all knew that it's been there this whole time. So now it's like Louisville's almost telling on itself. And to me, uh, that's perhaps the most frustrating part. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see that effort was finally there. I mean, I think for the first time in at least a year. I mean, I think we had spurts last year where we beat WKU, but that was also, I think, because we hit like 12 threes in the game. So, I mean, it definitely, it definitely kind of stinks that we finally – I mean, it's good that we finally see the effort, but it also stinks that it's like, why did it take a year and a half and playing in New York to have happen? Um, I think there's building blocks there, but like – I mean, you're right. That last eight minutes of the game or last four minutes when they go into the zone, positive momentum, positive momentum, positive momentum, and then shoot yourself in the foot. Like if if you're a head coach at this high of a level and you are completely thrown off and your team is completely dysfunctional because your opponent decides to go into the most bland 2-3 zone I've ever seen in my life, That I mean, that is cause for huge concern, ginormous, huge concern. I mean, it was great to see all the progress that we did over the last couple of days, loved it. Like I said, happiest I've been or most excited I've been as a fan over the last couple of years. But I mean, completely unacceptable to to have literally like a middle school two, three, throw you off. No trapping, no like high pressure outside, like nothing special whatsoever. No matchup zone, like nothing that should throw a division one college basketball team off. And instead we get dribble on the wing, dribble on the wing, ball screen doesn't work, kick it to the other wing. Dribble, 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 doesn't work. Back to the other wing, dribble, dribble, dribble. And instead, it's just like, swing the ball. If you have it in your hand for too long, swing it again. Don't hold it because then the defense can get to the spot they need to. And I think another thing is just like, get someone in the middle who's actually a threat. We had JJ and we had BHH in the middle. And like, Brandon Henley Hatfield caught it one time, shot an open mid-range jumper and missed it. But I mean, like, Neither of those guys are great mid-range jump shooters, and both of those guys are not threats to pass the ball or really attack the rim from that spot. I don't know how you don't call a timeout, like you said, and be like, hey, let's get Trey White in the middle. Hey, let's get Caleb Glenn in the middle. Like, let's get someone who's a threat to actually do something once they get this ball. So just kind of sucks that had a lot of positive momentum going for 30 or sorry, 40, 80, 70, I can't do math, 76 minutes in New York. And in the final four minutes, you're like, shit. That's what we saw last year. The irony is not lost on me. The fact that the first game of the season against UMBC, it's, it's, it's a tie ball game. Trey White drives out of control, hits the bottom of the backboard, then goes over the back, grabs the ball, and then throws a crazy alley-oop to J.J. Trainer, and Louisville goes on to win by one. And Kenny goes on to talk about, oh, we practiced that play. We practiced that. Uh, and then, you know, the video coordinators, I mean, God love them. I feel bad for Corey and, and the guys involved in the video team, but they go out and they, you know, get tape, which was not actual. They made it, they made it kind of look like it might've been security footage, but it's just, they're, they just pulled film from practice. Every practice is film. Just they pull film and then try to, you know, dunk on a lo- local radio person who 
The, I mean, the reality is you don't practice that play. You don't tell your guy to go over the back and foul somebody and then throw an alley-oop. You don't tell a guy to throw it off the backboard with 15 seconds left with, with the shot clock off. The irony is not lost on me that that Kenny brags about, okay, we practiced that play. But he says, oh, well, we weren't expecting a 2-3 zone. That really threw us off. Number one, it's the mo- it's not like they were throwing the Brick Bettino matchup D at you. It's not like they were throwing, you know, uh, Brandon Trish or whoever that, that was running the top of the Syracuse zone for the last 40 years, right? It's not like they were throwing that at you. They were throwing like the the YMCA third grade 2-3 zone at you just to try to take Tyler, Tyler Johnson and Sky Clark getting to the basket, trying to take that away. And all of a sudden, Louisville freezes up. When that happens, if that's any other coach in the country, they take a timeout. They regroup. They get reorganized, they strategize, and then go back out and execute the game plan. They didn't do any of that. Kenny just sat there and just watched it happen. And he says, "Oh, well, that's a that's you know that's a learning tool." No, it, it, it's, it's it's not learning. You're losing. That's establishing. That's further establishing a losing brand. That's establish. That's further establishing a losing culture. And that's what you are. The the facts are the facts. You're losers right now. You're losers. You've won six games. Kenny Payne is still. That still has one less win than Mike Pegues, Louisville's interim coach that coached 18 games. God forbid he gets anywhere close to David Padgett. Like it, it's just, it, it it blows my mind that this is the approach that they're taking. Anybody from the outside that has any sense about them can look at this and say, this is, they're just feeding us bullshit, Jake. They're feeding us bullshit is what it is. And it, at some point they need to realize you know, fans are are not dumb. Uh, well, for the most part, uh, Louisville fans are a pretty smart fan base, and we invest a lot of time, a lot of money in supporting this program. And the product on the floor is just not up to up to standard. And much of that, now that we've seen what's happened in New York, it's indicative of a team that absolutely is capable of being an NCAA tournament team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think that if any other coach is on that sideline in that moment against Indiana, things turn out much differently. Uh, you know, I used throwing you some, at something that's a last-ditch, last-grasp effort, and it 100% works. They were down, you know, 3-0 in the count, haven't hit a home run all year and swung for the fences and hit a home run. That's that's on Kenny Payne. That's 100% on the coaching staff. That's their responsibility. And if Kenny was 500 last year, if Kenny put give us gave us any reason to believe the things that he says, if if his actions, if what transpired on the floor matched up with what he'll say in a press conference, then yeah, maybe I believe that. You know, uh, so, somebody brought up when I was listening to the radio today, 2009, Michigan State brought out the the 2-3 zone uh, against that unbelievable Louisville team in the Elite Eight. And they ultimately ended up winning down the stretch. And that, that was a Hall of Fame coach in Rick Pitino. You know, 2019, I think, the Zion Williamson team and R.J. Barrett, where Louisville was up by, what, 21-22. And Duke, as a last-ditch effort, throws out a 2-3 zone. And Chris Mack wasn't able to make the adjustments, right? Like those kind of examples were thrown out. Okay, well now, well, here's the thing. 
if Kenny Payne was a Hall of Fame coach, then yeah, he'd get the benefit of the doubt. Teams lose. Things happen. But you right now are a loser. You have done nothing but lose. And so you don't get that benefit of the doubt. At the end of the day, his only way out of this is to win, Jake. And right now, his team is, is he has his team fighting. He has his team caring. But the leadership is not there to get them over the hump. And that's the problem to me. Yeah, I think I think we saw, I mean, view it two ways. Either, man, it's great that we saw the effort. Heck yeah, we've got positive momentum going in. These guys are trying. These guys are talented. Maybe we can win 19 games this year, 20 games this year, be a tournament team. Then you can also look at it and be like, wait, this is the talent that we had the whole entire time? And it just took us going to New York to put it on display, give, give full effort. So, I mean, it's definitely frustrating, really frustrating at times. And and you're right. I mean, this this team, this coaching staff hasn't really given us anything to give them the benefit of the doubt but i'm trying to stay positive i'm i'm trying to look at caleb glenn playing better sky clark hitting his shots bhh finally giving effort i'm trying to look at those things and hope that those things continue as we go and play pepperdine depaul all the teams new mexico state all the teams we have remaining in the non-con so hoping that this was not an anomaly and that maybe this team has found something and this could be the start of progress i hope yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely some great things you can take away, and, and I don't want it to be all just shitting on Kenny Payne and the coaching staff. Props to them for getting this team ready for for getting things turned around. Props to guys like a Sky Clark or a Trey White or Brandon Huntley Hatfield and J.J. Trainer. these guys who uh, are taking it upon themselves to step up, be leaders. Uh, that's something that you didn't really have last year. A lot of divisiveness between the guys it seemed last year. Uh, you know, you really only had one guy who could really take a game over. And when you played any team that had any, you know, any sort of talent at all, you just couldn't overcome that. Uh, so absolutely props to them for, again, if they beat Texas, then this is a completely different situation. Right. And and that's, that's what, I, what, you know, I'll try to cling, cling to a little bit. Uh, but, but you, you got to go forward and you, you have to continue that uh, when you come back home and play New Mexico state on, on Sunday, you have to continue that. You have to you have to make this where it, it's it's undeniable that there's been whatever happened, culture change. There's been uh, adjustments made where whatever is being taught in practice is finally catching on. You have to undeniably, undoubtedly prove that when you come back home this Sunday. One thing that, that I'll get into, if you're a fan, let's get out there and support this team. They still we still haven't. And this is really sad. According to the scan tickets, we still have not filled up this this arena 25% yet this season. Uh, and, and that's that's pretty pathetic. Uh, but this this weekend we have an opportunity Sunday, November 26th at 1 p.m. against New Mexico State. Mexico State, not very good. Uh they their record is you know okay, but they started out the season by losing by 40 to Kentucky. Their their wins are over Sewell Ross State. I don't know if that's Sul Ross, Suleiman Ross. I've never heard of that that team. Western New Mexico and Northern Colorado. Uh, tonight, right right after we hop off here, Jake, uh, they do host Fres- Fresno State, so maybe we'll get a good sense about that. But they also have they have a loss in there by 15, 16 to UC Irvine as well. So uh, we'll have to see uh, what, what what happens with New Mexico State. Any thoughts on that game? And obviously, it, it's a must win situation in a game that you got to win by 20, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is the – I think they're t- low 200s in Ken Palm. So, I mean, yeah. 
definitely a team that you should outmatch athletically, talent-wise, everything. So, I mean, definitely need to see that effort that we saw in New York, need to see that that was not an anomaly and hopefully continue to build a little bit of progress. I mean, you look at the upcoming schedule, you've got New Mexico State, Bellarmine, DePaul, Arkansas State, Pepperdine. All five of those games, extremely, extremely winnable. If you rip off five in a row, I mean, I'm already starting to get a little bit of belief. If you do that, you might actually get a chunk of this fan base back. We might actually start selling more than 25% of the tickets. But, I mean, it's it's got to start on Sunday against New Mexico State and show people that it wasn't just lucky or it wasn't just us being excited to play in New York in Madison Square Garden. I will say one thing positive that I saw at the Empire Classic, especially that IU game, Caleb Glenn. I yep. mean, I watched a lot of his high school tape. Dude is a physical specimen. I mean, just athletically physical. I mean, he's he's a 28-year-old man. I mean, he's strong enough to go play in the NBA. I don't think the talent is there just yet, nor is the experience because he he's a true freshman. But, I mean, I think he showed that he's got to play more minutes. Played 11 minutes in the first four games. Didn't make an appearance at all against Texas when we were getting dominated on the board. On the boards. Came in, played 12 minutes against IU. And, like, really just, like, kind of gave this team exactly what I think they need. I mean, effort, energy, rebounding, defense. I mean, the things that we've really struggled with this season, he came in and did. Only put up five points, three three rebounds and a steal. But, I mean, he only played 12 minutes. But, I mean, the energy was was there. Everyone was excited. And when he was on the floor, instead of Trey White, the ball was moving so much more. He was cutting when Ty Lohr was attacking. And he was there for those easy finishes and just rebounding really well, playing defense. So, I mean... I want to see at least 15 minutes a game for Caleb Glenn. I think he proved that he deserves that. He played 11 total in the first four games before IU. So I think that's another thing I'm looking for is I want to see the coaching staff show confidence in Caleb Glenn, give him confidence, and hopefully have him progress just like I want to see Tyler progress as the season goes on. Yeah, to your point, Caleb Glenn plus 17 against IU in only 12 minutes. I I think that Caleb is a guy – that you can swap interchangeably for Mike James because it's becoming more and more apparent that Mike is a straight line drive bully ball type of player. Um, and, and it feels like Caleb is much the same. Obviously Mike is a, maybe a better shooter, but Caleb is a quality athlete. Uh, he's a guy who could absolutely be a difference maker on this team. Uh, and, and like you said, 12, 11 minutes before going into the IU game, 12 minutes in the IU game, uh, a guy that could be a significant contributor down the stretch. I, I just want to see these guys utilized in the way that they should be utilized. Like, I don't want Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Like, he, he's proven, and we said this all last year, right? He came out early last season, and it was kind of his thing that he would take and make a three to start the game. Like, it was all, it, it reminded me of, uh, of Darius Perry a little bit in that sense that he would like to try to get the team started by making a couple threes. And then what happened was he just kept floating away from the basket. Brandon Holly Hatfield is, is he's not, he can make three point shots, but so can a lot of people, his strength and the way that he best helps this team is on the boards as, you know, getting putbacks, uh, maybe helping in, in the mid range, but ultimately being an aggressor and, and a tone setter for this team uh, and not as a guy that's floating out to the wing. Mike James is is probably the best shooter on this team. So this is a guy that we got to get him more spot-up shots. But he's also a guy who can play that bully ball just like a Caleb Glenn. 
So you need him to to conform to to that uh, expectation. If Tyler Johnson is the best distributor on this team, so he needs to be playing in in parts of the rotation where he is going to be able to distribute to to shooters. He's going to be able to you know get easy dump dump offs and lobs and you know uh, 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 alley oops. You know that that's that's the that's the type of situation that that Tyler Johnson should be in. Every player on this team should have a defined role. That's something that we didn't see last year at all. Uh, and that will help them find their identity on both sides of the ball. Uh, until we see that, we won't see them reach their full potential. Uh, but but I like what you said, Jake, that, you know, we got to get guys like a Caleb Glenn more minutes because he has, you can tell he has a defined identity. Caleb's not going out there and chucking up threes. He's not going out there and trying to put the ball on the floor like, uh, like Jalen Withers did a hundred times last season. He's a guy that knows his role. And if he continues to play like that, he can do it very well. Uh, and I think he can be used interchangeably with, with the, with a couple of guys on this team. I would just like to see them continue to find their identity as players. Um, and, and, and finally find their defensive identity. Uh, they, they were, they were much improved on defense. Uh, but I think that we'd be singing a different tune if Texas hits maybe three or four more threes as opposed to just one or two threes whole game. Uh, I, I think that we're seeing a little bit different tune uh, about the Texas game because that's probably more a game where they win like 95 to 80 as opposed to 81 to 80. So uh, something to keep in mind as well. If these guys start finding their identity as individuals, then they can ultimately start finding their identity as a team, especially defensively. The only way that they're going to win games in this conference is if they become better on defense and then good things will happen from there. Uh, they'll, they'll create more second chance points. They'll create more fast break points. Uh, but but until they can step into that role, until they can figure that out, then they're going to continue to struggle. And ultimately, as I've said this entire evening, it goes back to the coaching staff. It goes back to, you know, ultimately it's their job to draw that out of those players. And I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear, well, you know, you're not in practice. You don't see what's going on in practice. You don't see this, that, or the other. Look, there are hundreds of coaches around the country that get the most or at least close to the most out of their players. And this coaching staff is not. They have not been up to this to this point. And the games against Texas and Indiana have been proof that there is talent on this roster. But they got to figure out a way to extract that. And they also got to figure out ways to win. They'll have opportunities to do that starting with New Mexico State on Sunday. Jake, any final comments before we get out of here? Uh, no. I mean, I think we, we touched on a lot of stuff. I think the only guy we didn't talk about, this is negative, but Dennis looked outmatched, honestly, just looked outmatched and was yeah. kind of my fear coming into this season is that he's he's more of a project than his top 20 five-star, high four-star ranking might have alluded to. I, I think he does have a lot of potential against, I mean, IU and Texas. He's still so slow on defense and he's so easy to move or get out of position. Like a guy can shake him so easily or a guy can just bump him a little bit. And all of a sudden he's out of position, not able to help out on defense or not able to get that rebound. So hated seeing that there were a lot of positives, obviously, but Dennis 20 minutes, just two points in 20 minutes in the empire classic. So, I mean, definitely hope to see a little bit more, but kind of fearful that as this season goes on, he might be effective against New Mexico State, Pepperdine, teams like that. But when we get into the ACC, he might struggle a decent amount. But like I said, the project player, 
I think in a year, two years, he can really be a really solid player once he gets a better foundation, a little bit more strength and a little bit more basketball IQ. But I mean, overall, my mindset, my outlook has improved. I'm still not, let's keep Kenny Payne for five more years. But from if I had to get it one to 10 before the Empire Classic, I was at a 0.5 when it comes to my optimism for this team. And now I'm at a two. So we can slowly grow this. And it starts with, like you said, New Mexico State and the four other games that we have in this non-con before we go play Kentucky. So it's nice to actually have a little bit of positivity and nice to actually be kind of excited for this game on Sunday. And I'll be at it. $2 to get in this game. You should come and watch. There you go. There you go. It doesn't get much better than that. Dennis Evans, to your point, Jake, he is yet to adjust to the physicality of college ball. I think a lot of that is to do with his inexperience. He played mostly just high school ball, not a lot of AAU. He's just a different character as it is. Uh, he's a little bit different than the rest of the identity of this team. So it might take him a little bit longer to assimilate. I think he's a guy that once he gets a little bit more confidence, once he sees that he can be a bit of a bully, that he can use his size to his advantage at this level as well, that he can ultimately start to take over in, in, in that way. Uh, going into the season, we said that we thought that seven to eight wins was attainable in the non-conference. And if they can do that, then maybe, just maybe, they can start looking at postseason ball. They can start looking at trying to make the NCAA tournament. You can start looking at this ACC schedule and try to piece together where you find those wins and continue to gain momentum. This is the stretch where Louisville has to gain momentum. They have to win the next five games, and then you know we'll see what happens against Kentucky, but most likely they'll be favored in the next five games. If they win those games, then lose to Kentucky, you end up seven and four in the non-conference. And we said from the very beginning, Louisville's probably going to, they have three games they're probably going to lose no matter what in the non-conference. And, and it, it, you know, we thought it would probably be Texas, Indiana, and Kentucky. And then they'd probably drop a clunker. And that happened to be Chattanooga. If they can go on and win these next four to five games, uh, you know, the, the road game at DePaul, you never know, but DePaul just flat out stinks. Uh, so far this year. So absolutely an opportunity there. Uh, if they can go on and do that, if they can beat Bellarmine, if they they can, uh, you know, make improvements on some of the stuff they didn't have last season, then, you know, th there's a lot of potential there on this team, but they got to do it. They got to make it happen. And if not, it's going to be a long, long season, Jake. Uh, like you said, there's a bit of optimism there, but we got to see it. This Sunday, New Mexico State, if you're a fan, let's get out there. Let's make this the most attended game so far this season. Let's support let's support this team. Until next time, starting 502 podcast. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Let's get out of here. Of course. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 